This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango joined in studio by Alex Ferrario. As you know, what I got to tell you, this dude. It is the twenty first of uh, of December, and I'm not. And I please understand when I say what I'm about to say. I'm not trying to be a humbug guy at all. I Uh-oh. love Christmas. Scrooge already. No. Dude, it just does not feel like Christmas. It yeah. does not feel like Christmas <laughs> is on Monday. Yesterday was sunny and 60 degrees outside. And I think we're going to have that again today. Really? I'm, I mean, it's going to be up there. I, I guess maybe that is sort of the genesis of it. Yeah. But, like, it's just like, oh, wow, it's here now. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Well, and I, that's got to be kids, too, right? And like, I, I used to never feel like that way. Like, I always felt like it was... Christmas, December 1st, but like when I had my girls, it like it feels Christmas around the house because the tree goes up, the yep. lights go up, like the decoration we're watching movies, but it didn't hit me that it was Christmas until like two days ago. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, geez, this is like the week of. And probably, again, kids, when you're focused on 18,000 other things, you're like, oh, yeah, Christmas is right around the corner. Yeah. I, I don't like when it's warm out. Yeah. I'm the weird person that wants it to be cold and snowy from December 1st until January 1st. No. And then never snow again. Okay, here's the thing, though, dude. That That's not, you're not, the, okay. I was talking about this on the air the other day. Dude, the, one of the reasons in which that I love living in St. Louis is I, is my seasons. Yeah. Okay? I, I, I like, I, I, as insane as it sa- sounds, when summer hits, the first couple of weeks, I'm into it. Oh, and yeah. then I hate it. But done. I know that it, but but I know that we'll get a fall. Yeah. And then I like my fall. And then I like my god dang seasons. Yeah. I like winter to feel like freaking winter. Yeah. So, dude, I'm right there with you. Like, it's just like late January, it's to the point where it's like, all right, give me spring. February, it's like, get the hell out of here. But like December, you want your December to be cold. You want that white Christmas. We never get it. It's, that's just St. Louis for you we get 60 degrees i mean i went grocery shopping yesterday with my daughters didn't even have to put a coat on them and it's like well this is awesome right but i'd rather it be cold than warm right now i'm very much the same and like and what i what i definitely don't look forward to is the fact that most likely january february it's not going to get super super cold it's going to get cold enough and dreary enough to just be like two months of crap miserable of just like yeah. looking outside and going oh wow another dreary day awesome and it's, and it's never snow no nope. it's sleet it's rain it's probably ice it's never snow oh dude we sound like we're complaining about yeah. st louis i am the same way though like but but i'm not even complaining no. about it really because i that's one of the I reasons that i dig that i dig it here uh-huh. it's because i want my seasons yeah so like because because we'll go my wife and I take the girls to Florida for for Disney World we did last year because they're free this year's the final year they're free so we're doing it again and we go in January and it's like you go down to, to Florida in January January thirtieth and it's like oh this is kind of nice because it's warm and you get away from it but yeah. then you come home and it's like oh, okay I get my I get my winter back because right. winter when it's seventy five degrees outside just feels weird did you get every are you are you you have you gotten all your presents have you gotten everybody squared done. away done done and done God bless my wife man she makes lists for people she's got a note on her phone where every time somebody makes a reference to something that they want she writes it down and then she'll go buy it. In like July and say that person's done so like come November she's be like okay we only need to shop for this person and this person and I'm like dude we got a lot of people in our family she said yeah we're done Katie Ferrario I know for the win she's the champ plus it like budgeting wise like for people listening that get tighter on the Christmas time because we do too imagine being able to spread it out and that's why I love her 
Because she's so good at that. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy that you say that, man, because... Burton would always talk about that with Julie. Oh, really? Because Julie would would literally be buying Christmas presents throughout the course of the year. Yeah. And so then, now, now the one thing Jeff would say that by the end of the year, his kids, I'd like, I'd just, just mountains of presents and stuff or whatever but like that's like a that's like a pretty rad way to go about it i'm very lucky because like the kids both made lists and then mary just went after it. yeah and then just you know made sure that we had everything in time you know my daughter likes all kinds of band stuff now so like making sure we ordered that early enough so that we would get the hoodies in time you know Uh that kind of thing but with her man i had a kind of a minor freak out because until yesterday with Mary, I did not know I was going to get her. Her birthday is January the 2nd. Oh. So I've got a one-two punch yep. here. And I, um, she does not listen to this podcast, so I'll, I'm, I'm fine to say this. But I didn't know what I wanted to get her. Like last year, I think I got her a necklace. We always are getting her Halloween stuff because she loves that. But I just, I was tapped out. I didn't know. And then yesterday, she posted on Facebook, I want a tattoo for Christmas. And I was like... Thank you, Jesus. I was just, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Because I know where she goes to get tattoos. She yeah. goes to a spot called Trader Bob's um, in the city, which is awesome. And so I'm going to go there tomorrow on my day off. I'm going to get a gift certificate. Boom. Boom. And she God. will be so stoked. That's, that's, that's the way Christmas should be right there. You know, but just it, say what you want. Yeah, but, but it's, but it's tough because like, you know, man, like, I don't know what Katie's into, but I'm sure that there's a lot. And you're like, man, I get her that. I feel like I get her that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. And I want to, you know, man. Well, and the problem is, and I, I I was with Kate. I've been with Katie since 2016. So, like, we dated in high school, and then we split, and we got back together, and then we dated in college. And so we were together for, like, five years before we got married. So it was like... You dated her for five years, you get married, and then you're married for five, six years now, and it's like, I've bought you everything. <laughs> it's like, what else am I supposed right. to do now? Right, and then and then Mary will do the thing where they have the car commercial with the Lexus with the oh, bow on yeah. it. She's like, when do I get that? And I'm like, ah, I don't know, honey. <laughs> that's when we respond with, we work in radio. Right, right, right. Probably when you divorce me and get with somebody that's got more money, you know? So, uh, you know, I, one of the things, man, so I am going to get bah humbuggy here real quick. Not about Christmas, but about the blues. Well, Dude, that's given. I, I'll tell you something, man. And this is like, I don't know the best way to say this, because I really have tried to, like, be a thoughtful uh, blues fan over the course of the last year or so. But, dude, when I'm watching them get housed by Tampa on Tuesday night, and legitimately, man, looking just, oh, well, we're losing. Like, I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's what it felt like. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a sucker. Why am I sitting here and I'm going to waste another hour and however long watching this team absolutely stink it up? Yeah. It was like the it was like the 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 two game uh, bump yeah. was absolutely freaking gone, and reality came and just popped us right back in the grill. And I think it was the Dallas Stars game that did it because Ottawa. I think a lot of people would have been like, "Well, oh, okay, it's Ottawa." Dallas. I mean that's a that's a legit good team and you just shut them down. You looked good. You looked great. And so you go on the road, you take on Tampa and I, I said this on post game. I go back to what Doug Armstrong talked about and look, Tampa's in a different category than Chicago and Columbus. Those teams you should be better. But Tampa has been eerily similar to you. They're a 500 team this season. They recently lost to Nashville, to Calgary. A couple weeks ago, they lost to Arizona. Those are those middle-tier teams 
that Doug Armstrong talked about at the beginning of the season when we asked him, you know, how do you evaluate this club? And he said, I expect to be at the top of the middle tier in the Western Conference. I know Tampa's in the East, but Tampa just lost to a lot of those teams in the West. Now, look, they've got Vasilevsky, they've got Kucherov, all fine. But I didn't feel like those guys beat you highlight real goals. Like, you were outplayed in terms of you just didn't come out fast enough. By the way, 16 times this season, Donnie, the Blues have given up two or more goals in a three-minute or less span. So think about that. They've lost 16 times this season. 16 times. Not saying it's all been in losses, but the Blues have given up two or more goals in a three-minute window. So basically, that's telling you that this Blues team, when one goes in, they don't have the mental strength. And I can say this because Craig Berube has talked about it. They don't have the mental strength to say, Let's stop this at one nothing. I mean, that goal goes in one nothing against Tampa. You're thinking, all right, fine. Right. Outplayed you, but you could get back into this. Heck, you just did it by two against Dallas. But then when those two goals went in in a three-minute span by the end of the period, you knew it. Dunsville. You knew it that the Blues just weren't coming back into that one. I, this has been the biggest question mark all season long because – it goes back to the Braden Shen comment of we've got guys that decide when they want to play. Yep. I mean, Devon Taves had a pretty pretty massive comment for the Colorado Avalanche, if you saw it, basically saying, like, we got guys out here thinking they're playing well and they're fooling themselves. Yeah. I, I think right now the Blues are in this in this window of trying to figure out who they are as a team still. And look, Tampa is a veteran team that says, we'll figure this out. Where the St. Louis Blues, it feels like, look at it and say, we still don't know how to get back into hockey games. You know, real quick, and I'm not going to stick on them for very long, but would you at all be surprised? And I actually, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this. Would you be surprised to see Tampa start to turn things up after the first of the year? And 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 real dude, that team to me still looks stacked and still looks like they could go on a roll. Am I wrong? Oh no, you're not wrong at all. I mean, and, look, and Vasilevsky's still just getting his wits about him after the surgery. That's the thing; he's only been back for like a month. They've got Vasilevsky. You've got Hedman and Sergachev. I mean, those are two top defensemen, and you've got Point Kucherov, Stamkos. You're never out of it. To me, Tampa Bay is like, and it's not the same, but. It's the Golden State Warriors to where the Golden State Warriors will always in the NBA, they'll always kind of just you'll be like, what's wrong with them? Why aren't they? Why aren't they good? Why aren't they winning? The Chiefs are the other one. Sorry to bring this up because you don't (laughs) like this, but they're always like, why aren't they good? But then as soon as postseason fever comes around, it's like, oh, well, they know how to play when it matters. And that's Tampa. Like, look, Tampa Bay might be on the back end of this dynasty that we've seen of them. But they'll never fizzle out when you've got Point, Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman, and Sergachev, and Vasilevsky. So, yeah, it would not surprise me. Tampa's problem right now is their bottom six. Like, you've got a top six that's awesome. you got a bottom six that's probably all fourth liners. They, didn't, they don't have the, the Ross Coltons or the um, Richard Panics or the Andre Palats like they used to have in that third sure. line. Now they've got, uh, you know, some guys that would be fourth liners on other teams. So that's their biggest hiccup. But Tampa always makes trades at the deadline. Tampa always says, let's go for it. Might as well keep winning when you got those guys on your roster. Well, it's just so fascinating to me because, you know, I think of, you know, let's just say they they get in on a wild card or something. I mean, whoever plays them in the first round, that sucks. (laughs) You're like, oh, crap. I mean, Toronto nearly lost to Tampa again last year. Yeah. Like, they 
barely got through them. That forced was, what, to game six, game seven? Yeah, that was game seven. And that was because of Andre Vasilevsky. Like, that's the thing. And that's why, not to put it back to the Blues, that's why when, when we act like they're bad, the Blues always got a chance to do something if they get into the playoffs yeah. because of Jordan Bennington. Curb said it on the broadcast Tuesday night, and I agree with him. Those are the two goaltenders in the NHL, and I'd add in Demko, Saros, Hellebuck, and Ottinger. I'd add in those guys. That core, along with Bennington and Vasilevsky, I would say always gives me a chance to win a playoff series, even if the team in front of them is not good. Because those goalies just know how to turn it on when they need to turn it on. All right, a couple things here real quick. Um, uh, I understand that he's a young player, uh, but sometimes outside of the physical aspects of Tyler Tucker's game, I sometimes wonder if he is a legit NHL every game defenseman, every day defenseman. And then to take that one step further – Dude, I feel like when he is paired with Marco Scandella that it's not good times. Yeah, am they, I am I wrong? Am I crazy? Can you talk about that a little bit? They, they have their ups and downs. Okay. I, I mean, Tyler Tucker, let's let's also remember Tyler Tucker was a 7th round draft pick. Okay. Like Tyler Tucker was not a second round pick that had all of this upside. He was a 7th round pick. So what he's doing right now is impressive in itself cuz 7th rounders don't make the NHL very often. Right. Drew Bannister talked about him Tuesday. And he said what he liked about his game and what they got to figure out how to get more of is his heavy presence in front of the net. Because that's Tyler Tucker's game. Tyler Tucker is not a puck mover. Tyler Tucker is not a mobile defenseman. Tyler Tucker is a guy that is black and white. He's vanilla ice cream where if you don't notice him in a game, things are going well. Perfect. Standing in front of the net and he's keeping guys away. Mm -hmm. That's where it's faltered this season. And some of that could just be the learning curve. He's He's been in the AHL for plenty of years, but... It's different at the NHL level when you got guys that are a lot more physical. I, I I think Tyler Tucker is a guy who can be an everyday defenseman, but I think Tyler Tucker is best suited as a guy who rotates in and out of the lineup, mm-hmm. mostly because you want to keep guys fresh. And what coaches like to do now is they like to have the, the fifth and sixth defensemen, they like having mobile options, and they like having physical options. Mm-hmm. So like tonight against Florida – I would anticipate Tucker plays again because that's a physical guy against a Florida Panthers team that's going to have Matthew Kachuk, Sam Reinhart, guys that are going to the front of the net. Chicago, I would anticipate Tucker coming out and Perunovic going in because that's a faster-moving defense, or faster-moving offense, and you want your defense to move the puck quickly out of the zone. That's at least the way that Barubi likes to handle it. Now, I don't know how Bannister likes to handle it, but Bannister said he loves Tucker's presence in front of the net. they got to get more out of that, though. If you're going to be an everyday defenseman in the NHL, you've got to be somebody that players regret going to the front of the net against. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not, then your your role's not being played for the Blues, and you got to find somebody else who can. Yeah, you're just like a little bit of a speed bump. That's what Bortuzzo used to That's why Bortuzzo has been in the NHL for so long. It's because he was a guy from Pittsburgh to his early days in St. Louis Nobody wanted to go to the front of the net against him because he was tough to play against. Now, I know the rules have changed, and you can't cross-check. Sometimes I feel like that doesn't matter anymore. Take a penalty every once in a while. If your penalty kill's good enough, if you believe it's good enough, take a penalty so a player regrets that decision rather than players going to the front of the net and say, well, they're not going to do anything. Dude, if you are pl- – listen, 
I love my Blues with all of my heart. I, I love them to pieces. But if you are on another team and you're another coach, I would tell my best physical player, camp out out front, brother. Yep. They ain't going to do nothing. Tampa just did it. Five of their six goals. Go, look, go back and look at those goals. With the exception of that Kucherov goal in the second period, all of the other five goals were guys standing in front of the net in the crease. The, the, there's a heat map on natural statric, which were for, for Blues fans listening, if if you don't understand the analytical side of hockey, natural statric, I think, does an incredible job with their website where they break it down into categories of high danger scoring chances, scoring chances, you know, goaltender numbers, but they got a heat map. And the heat map showcases where the high danger or where the shot quantity, the volume is coming from. And the game against Tampa, you could have circled the crease and it was dark red. You can't do that. I mean, the power play goal by Nick Paul, he was standing behind both defensemen in front of the goaltender. Yeah. That's that Hayden Flurry goal that I think made it three to nothing before the end of the period. That was a harmless shot from the blue line. But you had two bodies in front of Jordan Bennington with nobody clear in the front of it. Take his eyes his way. That's what the Blues didn't do. That's what teams right now, and I'll go back to the Craig Button cut, teams aren't afraid to go to the front of the net against the Blues. And that's a problem when you've got teams like Tampa, Florida tonight, Colorado, Vegas, Vegas, Dallas. I mean, I know the Blues did a great. Yeah. That's what I think was so frustrating about Tampa, Donnie, is the Dallas game, you forced Dallas to make decisions. You forced them. Alex, I'm watching the game. Yeah. And, and dude, and I just, and I've talked about it before, dude. You get a, you just get this feeling. You can see it. Like you, and I'm watching this, and they score one, and I go, uh oh. Yep. And they score two, and I go, oh. And then that happened at the end of the first period, and I was like, this is, they're, they're not coming back from this. And, and we see it, dude. It drives me absolutely insane yeah. like it's so obvious to me what it is it's it's not even anything that's that difficult man this team I, yeah and they got to figure it out too man like for a number of reasons but like i'm starting to think about this last night and i go worst case scenario because that's just what i do <laughs> but man like if this team continues to struggle, man, this is a team that needs ticket sales. They need asses in that building. They need the the concession sold, the merch sold. So, like, I, I but I could also see a St. Louis Blues fan going, I'm not paying to see this in February. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I, I just... There just needs to the, the inconsistency. I can understand to a certain degree. I get it, but dude, man, like there are just times I'm gonna stop saying dude. But there, there are just times where I'm just I don't want to watch this. Yeah. Like this is miserable to watch. Well, and so I, I thought Joe had a phenomenal breakdown on our post game Tuesday night because he said, like, look, there are going to be roster decisions if this continues. Doug Armstrong was in attendance Tuesday, along with Al McKennis, along with Tim Taylor, Director of Player Development. You had Brad Richards that was there. Your coaching staff was there. You've already done the first part of trying to figure out what the problem is by firing Craig Berube, at least from Doug Armstrong's perspective. I, I feel differently, but you get rid of the coach, so now you can't use that as the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. There is a reason, in my opinion, that all of those guys were in attendance of that game, and they're going to be in attendance tonight, and they're going to be back home on Saturday, and then you got the Christmas break, and then you got a few more games before the end of the year. Joey says all the time, teams would like to be in a playoff spot by the end of the year or around Christmas time, and the Blues aren't there right now. They're a couple of points out, but Joe said that 
there, there's this is the compete that Doug Armstrong talked about. Mm-hmm. This is the compete that when you go up against these types of teams, it's one thing to lose four, four three with an empty net goal, five three, and you say, ah, well, you know what, that just wasn't in their cards tonight. Yeah. If you play like you did against Dallas and you lose, everybody's okay with it. But it's the way that they lose, that's right, and how it looks so bad from yeah, the end. Man. And Joe said, like. There will be roster decisions. Darren Dreger was on BK and Ferrario with us last week and said, this will not be the same roster at the end of the season as it is right now. You can understand that with Doug Armstrong. And this is the part that I always push back with when people are starting to lose faith in Doug Armstrong. Yes, he may have made some questionable decisions. But it's not like Doug Armstrong forgot how to build a Stanley Cup contender. He didn't forget how to build a winning hockey team. Right now, in the NHL, if you make a bad decision or a bad couple of decisions, those contracts are there. So you have to kind of bide your time, and this is what the LA Kings did. They had to bide their time with Dustin Brown and Jonathan Quick and wait for some of those contracts to go away so that you could start the process, the healing process. If this continues, I fully anticipate Doug Armstrong looking at his roster and saying, We've got to do something. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's waivers. I don't know if that's trades. I don't know if that's cutting guys. But there's got to be, at some point, if this type of compete or lack of compete is not there, if you're Doug Armstrong, if you're Al McKennis, if you're Tim Taylor, if you're the front office, you look at it and you say, there's got to be more respect on the team than this right now. Because if, if you're Tom Stillman, you can't spend to the salary cap if you're not getting much on the back end. And he's done an outstanding job as long as he's done, but if you're not bringing in the ticket sales, and they've done fine on tickets at least up until this point, but if you're not bringing in postseason revenue, it's hard to kind of continue that process of what they've been doing. I think Tom Stillman has done anything and everything that we could possibly have wanted and one as an owner. And if the team is close or if the team is anywhere near competitive, you know he's going to do whatever it takes to keep pushing that forward. From the moment he stepped in as the owner. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. One thing I want to say, and so you talked about Doug Armstrong and you talked about how he has made some mistakes. And and I want to, I want to talk about that just for a second because, yes, okay, I know that he has. And I know that this is the roster in which that he has built. I get that, man. But when we talk about... You know, there's an extreme fringe here that want to get rid of Doug Armstrong. And I'm thinking to myself, who are you going to replace him with? One. And two, what general manager in the NHL hasn't made a mistake? I mean, it's it's part of the gig. I guess you're just trying to minimize those mistakes yeah. and, and how they, you know, how the, how the ripple effects they have. But, like, I just think it's unrealistic to think that the dude's going to be batting a 1,000 after being here for... <laughs> 15 years or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, just look around the NHL. Like, Kyle Dubas is probably thinking I made a mistake giving all of those guys long-term contract extensions and bringing in Eric Carlson. I mean, Calgary, with Brad Trey living before he went to Toronto, knew he probably made a mistake in the trade that he made. Johnny Goudreau was probably thinking he made a mistake. Mistakes are going to happen for teams in the NHL. That's the salary cap era. But to what you said... Uh, This is how I always evaluate if you've got a good individual on your team. 
if that person became available tomorrow, how long would he be available? Doug Armstrong is seconds. Doug Armstrong. They, someone would fire their general manager the moment they hear Doug Armstrong has been let go and hire him immediately. Toronto wanted him this past off season. Yeah. The same. I said the same thing about Craig Berube. Like and Berube, like coaches are different because they take their time. But that's how I always evaluate if guys are are that important to an organization. And look, if you go sample size of Doug Armstrong, now I believe the longest tenure general manager in the National Hockey League, if you go sample size, how many mistakes has he made? I, I mean, off the top of my head, if we, if we if we want to talk about him, I guess the Petro thing is the first. It was the that first. That would be the first one that I know a lot of people would point to. I mean, I would think um, maybe that extension for Scandella, maybe the extension for Letty at this point. Yeah. Maybe not looking great. Yeah. And then it's decisions for free agents, too. Uh, well, and then also two people bitched that he gave the money to Cairo and to Thomas. But I, that's I, the honestly, state of the NHL. But I would do that, too, because yeah. I would want to try to lock those dudes down. Well, and, and here's the thing that people are forgetting about what he did with Cairo and Thomas. He, people are always like, well, you got to give them a bridge deal so that they perform to get their big contract. That's not how the state of the NHL works anymore. Like, young players want to be locked up. They want to be locked up. They want all of the money, and they take less money because they expect to be better at the end of their career. Cairo and Thomas, they signed their contract extensions in the first three, four years for both of their contracts extensions. No trade clauses don't kick in until the fourth year. So essentially, he gave these guys a bridge deal. Now, they're making $8 million in the first four years of their contracts, but they don't have any trade protection. So if it doesn't go well, Doug Armstrong has no holdback of saying, well, we got to get a different player in here. That's the bridge contract of what it used to be. But if they perform well, and look, Thomas is a point-per-game player right now, so I don't know how people could look at that and be like, well, point-per-game players get paid $10, $11 million. At the end of their contracts, when the salary cap goes up $8, $10 million, $8 million isn't the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I understand where people are coming from saying, well, you gave these guys the money too fast. Look at the NHL. I mean, Connor Bedard's probably going to have $8 million in his bank account within the next two years. Mm-hmm. Tage Thompson got paid last year off of one good season with Buffalo. I mean, you've got, um, who's the other guy that I'm completely blanking on right now? Uh, this is when I wish I could be more uh, help. Well, to believe you. me, dude. There's so much. On, my head's like Donnie Fandango said. There's so much going on right now. <laughs> Except that's all hockey. Where <laughs> oh, mine yeah, is music, it's hockey yeah, yeah. games, and it's like, oh, the good old hockey game. I'm like, ah, stop it. Uh, but there are guys that get paid that amount of money. But to what you were saying, the mistakes that Doug Armstrong has made, and I'm doing air quotes right now, it's in a small window. It's in from post Stanley Cup era, era post Stanley Cup season until now. But also take into consideration what happened in that time frame. That's true. You won a Stanley Cup, then COVID happened, bubble year, flat cap for three seasons. I, I did the math, and this is what I wasn't on with you guys last week, and I, I wanted to bring it. I, I went back and looked at it because everyone talks about you know Doug Armstrong and he wasn't able to, to keep all these guys on the salary cap. I went back and looked through it, and like you could have kept a lot of those guys and made the salary cap work with the flat cap. But all of that happened, and Doug Armstrong was trying to get ahead of the curve and saying, let's keep this team competitive. Now, did it go wrong? Absolutely. But we're talking about a three-year window of things maybe being bad decisions. 
where I take the larger sample size and say, okay, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, if this continues for the next two, three years, right? yeah, you start to get on the hot seat a little bit more. But for right now, I think they're just stuck in purgatory with some of these contracts. Talk to me about Brad Richards. Uh, talk to me. Obviously, the power play is an absolute disaster. <laughs> so obviously, you needed to bring in somebody, yeah. uh, a different eye. Um, can you kind of talk about him, talk about what he's doing, and, and how— how is that going to filter down to the ice, I yeah. guess, is my... Well, I mean, Brad Richards, I mean, we all remember the dude was an incredible player slash power play specialist. I mean, T- uh, Dallas, and that's where his ties come in with Doug Armstrong. He was there, D- Doug Armstrong was the GM there when Brad Richards was brought in to Dallas, and then Doug Armstrong was let go and then got to St. Louis, but Richards was there in Dallas. He's a power play specialist, so he's a consultant. So for people that don't know, he's not with the team on a daily basis. The way Doug Armstrong explained it was every day he'll wake up and he'll look at video, and then he'll get on a Zoom conference call with the coaching staff to talk about power play, and then they'll implement what Brad Richards talked to them about on the ice at practice and in games. Now, he was in attendance. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he lives in Tampa. So that's probably why he was in attendance for that game. And I'm sure he'll make an appearance in St. Louis at some time. But the consultant stuff is he's getting video and he's getting notes from practices and games. He's looking at it. And he's giving his expertise to Doug Armstrong and to Steve Ott, to Drew Bannister of what he wants to see, and then they implement it. I don't know if it's Brad Richards' impact, or I don't know if it's just the Blues players being like, oh, the hell with it, we're bad, let's see what we can get. Power plays looked better in these last couple of games. So if if that's the Brad Richards bump, then great. But what he's doing is the same thing that Ken Hitchcock is doing. Ken Hitchcock's a consultant for the Blues, too. So every off day... Hitch wakes up and does a phone conversation. He did it with Craig Berube. I'm assuming he does it with Drew Bannister now. That's what those consultants do. They pay for their expertise in certain areas, and the Blues take advantage of it, which I think is a smart thing to do. Absolutely. So, boy, that is that's incredibly yeah. fascinating too. Well, but also too, like, um, so I guess the friendship is what leads to them calling Brad R- Richards uh, specifically, because I'm sure that there's other dudes out there that could probably do the same thing, but then there's the existing relationship as well. And that's the relationships that Doug Armstrong's built. I mean, think of in the past, like he brought in Larry Robinson during that Stanley Cup season. Yep. That was relationships that he had built. Brought brings in Marty Brodeur on the tryout, plays a little bit, and then stays with them in the front office. That's relationships. Yeah. Doug's got a ton of those, which is another reason why I think he's so impactful to an organization. So to have the relationship with Ken Hitchcock and have him be a consultant. You know, you've got Tim Taylor, you've got Bob Gainey, who's been around in the past, and now you've got Brad Richards. Part of me wonders if this is Brad Richards maybe putting his toe in the water to see if he wants to be a coach down the road. Sure. But it also is Doug Armstrong probably going to somebody, looking at an area of weakness on the team and saying, we need to get better here. How do we do that? Let's go get somebody who's an an expert at power play time, and that's Brad Richards. Man, because you would think if they could just get that power play going a bit. Oh, yeah. God, that would be so much. I, I mean, obviously, the, goes without saying. Oh, I don't just, have the numbers in front of me, but like they've had so many times this season where they could have taken the lead, tied the game, or extended the lead with power plays, and they haven't. I, and it, the the power play, on top of all of the goals that are given up and the small size or small time frame, the power play has probably impacted this team more negatively, more negatively than any area this season because power play is at least mid season or mid of the league. You're talking about the Blues being probably tied with Winnipeg for third place. And that's with the bad that's taken place because the power play is such a momentum grabber, Donnie, that if it's not working, 
you're not pulling your team back into the yeah, game. And man. if that fails, now you're down by three goals. What are you supposed to do? So uh, I wanted to make sure that I that I brought this up. He's one of my very favorite players on the Blues team. Um, but uh, Pavel Buchnevich gets yeah. uh, benched for, what, 13 minutes in the third yeah, period I the other so. night? He takes three freaking hooking – wasn't it hooking, hooking penalties? penalties, yeah. What kind of clown nonsense is that? And I love Booch. Yeah. I love Booch. But, like, that's dumb. Yeah. That's so dumb. You know better than that. Yeah. I mean, how can you not expect that to happen to a certain degree, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I fully expect – and Curb said this yesterday. If you would have talked to Booch following that game – he would have said he was terrible. Mm-hmm. And Booch is a very honest player. Like earlier this season when he wasn't scoring, he even said, like, I'm awful right now. And his team got him going a little bit. The hooking, the the stick infractions, as Craig Berube likes to talk about it, those are the ones that you get frustrated with. When you're hooking, when you're tripping, it means you're not skating with the guy. It means your feet, your foot speed's not there and they're beating you. And that was probably frustration boiling over by Pavel Buchnevich every period that you got the hooking. Good on Drew Bannister. Yeah. I mean, look, we talked about accountability. That's something that Doug Armstrong wanted to see. Drew Bannister stuck to his guns. The moment he stepped in as the interim coach, he said, I'm going to hold guys accountable, and if you want to play on this team, if you want ice time, you're going to have to earn it. And he looked at Pavel Buchnevich, and he said, look, you're not playing to the level we need you to play right now, so you're going to sit there. Now, if that was a one a one-goal deficit, I don't think he would have been sitting. Sure. I, I I think he was sitting also because it was a five goal deficit, and you're like, okay, well, we need it's time to set a message. Mm-hmm. And so, goodbye, Drew Bannister. I guarantee everybody on that roster is probably looking at it, being like, oh, damn, if he's going to sit Pavel Buchnevich, right. he'll sit me. So you got to have that compete. But none of that matters until you see the response, right? And that's the biggest thing. Like, I love that Drew Bannister did it. I love that he's coming in and he's doing his thing and he's holding guys accountable. But you can't sit guys every single night. Right. And sooner or later, the guy, ha- the guys, not just Buchnevich, they've got to respond to a head coach saying, like, we need more from you. If you're not going to bring it, then you're going to be sat. So I'll be interested to see, like, it, it, it's not like it's just a two-game trend where this has happened. Now, I know it's just Booch, but other players have fallen victim to this this season. It'll be interesting to see if this continues with Drew Bannister. I don't know why it wouldn't after you do that in your first game. But if you got to send a message, this is how you send the message. Well, I got to tell you, man, it's 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 really bothersome as a Blues fan. First of all, I'm I'm complete not I'm as nervous as I can be for a Thursday game in December against the Panthers. All right, like I just wonder what we're gonna get tonight. Every man. single night I, on my I, way. I, I just really wonder. All right, but like Braden Shin, Jordan Bennington have come out. Hey, listen, this is not good enough. Needs to be more pride in wearing the blue note. Yeah. I, listen, man, I, I, and we talked about it last week with Jeremy here. If they have to bring up some guys from Springfield, uh, Mackenzie McEachern, or, or, or not, I think he's already here. Yeah. Uh, Gaudette, uh, Walker. Whatever. Yeah. I just want to see some guys that look like they're pissed off when they're losing. Yeah. Like, I don't mean to break it down, but like, see many Christmas, yeah. man. Like, I, like, keep me from flipping the channel and going to watch The Office for the sixth millionth time. <laughs> but I don't know why I want to watch that. That's tough to do for me, man, because if I got The Office opp- opportunity in front of me, I'm flipping to it. Real quick, not to sw- change subjects. <laughs> do you have the uh, the the Peacock app? I don't. Okay. Yeah. Let, let me tell you why you need to get that, all right? Yeah. Because they have the super fan cuts of those office episodes, and it adds about eight to ten minutes to each episode. Oh, yeah. So I have the DVDs. 
I have the box set of The Office. And is it the same and thing? it's the same thing. Oh, okay. Well, then them, you got it. They put them into the episode. Oh, dude, that's, that's exactly how it is. It's, it's awesome. awesome. I know. Because yes. the first time I opened up the box set and I watched it, I'm like, I've seen The Office. I could quote The Office. This wasn't in The Office. Right. And then I looked it up and I said, it said that they added the deleted scenes or the edited scenes. Yeah. Into the actual show, so you could see how they went. All right, good. I yeah. just wanted to make sure That's that you awesome. were because no, yeah. there's just so many gems in there. I know. And then also because of the time of the show, you know, you see things that they have to clip out, mm-hmm. and you go, "Holy crap!" I know that makes this make that much more sense or whatever. Oh, so absolutely. highly, highly, highly recommend either way. That you're the bloopers about it. also are incredible. I don't know that I've seen. Well, uh, I, I know I've definitely not seen that. They're all, I mean, you can look them up on YouTube. Yeah, but they're on the box sets of it. Oh my god. Bloopers are amazing. All right. Well, here's what we got going on. Uh, Alex, thank you so very much for doing this. Hell it's yeah. wonderful to see you and a very Merry Christmas to you the too. Ferrarios. To is the uh, the Fandangos as well. I wonder how many people I, I really truly think that my last name is Fandango. I told somebody this at a gig last year that my real last name was not Fandango. And this dude looked at me like I seriously told him that there was no such thing as Santa Claus. Like it, he was bummed out. <laughs> and I was like, bro, I thought. How many people are really named Fandango? Like, I don't know, but it's phenomenal, and that's why I always run with it. My mother-in-law sends the kids their birthday cards and Christmas cards and stuff. Ava Fandango, Dexter Fandango. I love it. I hate it. Really <laughs> Which I, I, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I, I don't hate it because her mom is so sweet, yeah. and I couldn't. But, like, I'm just, it's, it's not our... Hey, I tell you what, it's the perfect way to if you're out in public and somebody yells, hey, uh, hey, Fandango, and you just ignore it and be like, why didn't you answer it? What are you talking about, man? I'm, I'm not Fandango. It's <laughs> not my last name. I didn't know that's who you're talking to. You're in the Deerbergs in South County and you have a Bills t-shirt on. Chances are it's you. Alex, thank you, my man. Merry Christmas, you brother. Too, buddy. All right, for Jamie Rivers, uh, for uh, Jeremy Rutherford, who's uh, working on a feature for The Athletic yeah. right now, uh, and for our brother Jeff Burton, it is Donnie, my name is Donnie Fandango. This is the Last Minute Blues <laughs> Podcast. Thank you for listening. And as always, let's go blues. The last minute blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.